Ushers come forward to receive her offering. Let me just make mention of a couple things. Justified or pre-selling their CDs and tapes. They'll be out in the lobby as you go out tonight. And also Vacation Bible School is coming up soon. We need a lot of workers for that. Next Sunday night, there'll be some information concerning uh, Vacation Bible School. So we hope that many of you will help us and work in VBS this year. If you have any questions, see Terry about that. And then, of course, we're nearing the 4th of July and be a lot of activities going on and... Uh, Someone gave me this announcement, and I'm happy and proud to announce it. Chapter 203, veteran, Vietnam Veterans of America, uh, will cordially invite you to attend the Huey Helicopter Dedication Veterans Park in Saudi Daisy. That's Saturday, June 30th at 2.30 p.m. And if I'm not mistaken, Chapter 203, and that the POW, the group that was with us during our 4th of July, and this is a great group of fellas. And so if you want to get in on a lot of the activities going on around the 4th, this would be a good thing for you to go to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all of your blessings. Continue to move in the service. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
I can tell of the others like the blind made to see. But I'd rather tell you what has happened to me.
Jesus cleansed me when I was a leper. This helpless mind will never walk, you see. Let every eye was turned to the fourth man to see how he might criticize and doubt. But all three men were startled with amazement when that fourth man stopped and said his name out loud. He said, my name is Lazarus, well, could I testify? My name is Lazarus, feels good to be alive. When I in chains of death was found, this man named Jesus called me out. If you think your little problem is too big for him to solve, would you take it from the one who served the mighty voice of God? A living testimony of his gentle-lying time. My name is Lazarus. Oh, my name is Lazarus. Well, could I testify? Tonight, as the choir comes down, it's an opportunity to get now, shake hands with everyone around you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Just get out and move. Don't wait on to come to you.
be seated. Aren't you thankful that we do have the amazing grace, the marvelous grace, and that it's all by his grace, and I'm thankful for that. And we'll uh, sing a song that, uh, well, Myrna and I normally do, but uh, Michelle's filling in with, for her tonight. He giveth more grace. Giveth more grace as the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength as the labors increase. To added affliction, he added his mercy. To multiplied trials is multiplied peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary. No none to man, for out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth. strength has failed ere the day is half done when we've reached the end of our hoarded resources our father's forgiving is only His love has no limit, His grace has no measure, His power has no boundary, no none to man. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He Be finding in your Bible Luke chapter 18, if you would please. Luke chapter 18, and while you're turning, maybe somebody just like to get up and just 
Tell folks how glad you are to be saved. Luke chapter 18. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> sure. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen, Harvey. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 18. If you're not happy about being saved, we'll go right ahead and preach. I am. Amen. Luke chapter 18. Isn't this a good Sunday night crowd? I'll tell you, a good Sunday night crowd right in the middle of June, coming up on July. I know a lot of folks, uh, a lot of places, they hardly have anybody on Sunday night. And uh, good to have all of you here. And I really believe this. I believe it takes three services a week to keep you strong in the Lord. That's why we have three services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You need all three of them. And so I encourage you to be faithful to all of the services. But... I'm glad that you're here. And I hope that you uh, have been reading the testimonies that we're putting on the screen during the offerings. There's several more we'll be sharing with you. These are folks that went through faith. And I just wanted you to hear from their own words what faith had meant to them. And I know many of you have been asked about being a part of faith. And uh, you really don't know or understand what faith is. And you're not sure what we mean when we talk about faith. We'll be having a banquet in a few weeks. We're going to invite any of you that are interested in faith to come. And you can come to that banquet. You'll learn about faith that night. You'll hear a lot of things about faith. You'll hear reports on faith, what this past semester has been. And those that have completed a semester of faith will be receiving their leaders award that night. And they'll be qualified to serve as a leader in the next semester of faith. But uh, I want to put those testimonies up there for you maybe that are are really wrestling about whether or not you want to be in faith or whether you should do it or whatever there. I just want you to know what it meant to the people that had gone through it. And uh, I know it's been a blessing to everyone that has been a part of faith. And I thank the Lord. And I want all of you to be a part of faith. All you Sunday school teachers, every Sunday school teacher before it's said and done needs to be a part of faith. You don't need to be a teacher. And you need to be in there because it's part of reaching out for your class and, and reaching. If you don't want your class to grow, then you need to let somebody in your class that wants it to grow. I'm meddling and I know it, and I'm meddling on purpose. Say amen right there. And, but everybody, every deacon ought to be a part of faith. Let me put it this way. Every Christian ought to be a part of faith. Amen. That gets us all in there. Amen. But uh, we're excited about it. But the testimonies that we're sharing and putting up on the screen, I want you to take time to look at them and read them and what they have meant to all of those that have gone through faith. Had 40 some in faith this semester. And the way it works, you have one leader, and a leader is somebody that has gone through faith, gone through a 16-week semester, and have gone through faith, or they have gone through a faith clinic. And uh, so that's the only way that uh, you can uh, be a leader in faith is if you've gone through faith. 
And then it's made up of two learners. Each team that goes out every week uh, has three people on it, has a leader and two learners. And uh, there's a reason for why there's three on a team. And what you do each semester as those that are learners, you trust that what they'll do is they'll go through faith and they'll want to be a leader. They'll actually next semester be training people to do the same thing they have been trained to do. And so it multiplies. So if everybody in faith uh, went through it this past semester, comes back as leaders, and most of them are, uh, we, instead of 40 some, we're going to have over 70 folks in faith on Thursday nights or whenever we choose to do it Tuesday or Thursday nights. It gets much bigger. We're going to have to split it in two different nights. But uh, all of, we need all of you, and we trust that uh, all of you get involved. I think it's one of the keys to what we're seeing happening around here because it's doing something in the lives of people, and when people get stirred and they get changed, it affects everything else. Amen? So I praise the Lord for all of those that are, have made the commitment to go through faith, and it is a commitment. I'm, going not, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you there's a party and whatever there. There is some work involved in it, but it is well worth it. And what it does for your life, it's what is so great about it. Luke chapter 18. I want to begin tonight, and over the next two or three months, maybe longer than that really, it, I know it'll be longer than that, but I want us to work through three stages. I should mention them this morning, but I want us to work through these three stages. One, for several Sunday nights now, we're going to go work through stage one, which is sharing the vision. Sharing the vision. Stage two is preparing for the vision. That is when we actually begin to take the steps to reach our vision. And then stage three, whether it be a year, two years, or three years, and all the things we're going to be talking about will be realizing the vision. That's when the things that we have prayed about and the things we have sought from God, that's when we'll begin to see them actually happen. Those are three stages that we're going to be working through around here for the next several months and maybe the next couple of years. But I want to begin tonight, stage one, sharing the vision. And I want to begin tonight by talking about praying the power down. And I'll explain to you why I'm starting with this subject. I want you to stand as we honor the Word of God. And then I'll say more about it all here in just a moment. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Then he gives us an illustration of it, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray. And I want to begin tonight sharing the vision by talking about praying the power down. Let's pray. Our Father, in Jesus' name, as we come to you tonight, we thank you that we've been saved to the uttermost. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to...
fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, fall in love with the fact that we have been saved and never get over it. May we be driven by the very fact that God's amazing grace has saved our hell-deserving souls. May we never lose sight of that. May we never get over it. May our lives be a constant source of praise and thanksgiving, yea, even service to you because of what you have done. Now, Father, we believe you have great things for this place and wonderful things that you want us to do. So tonight I pray that you'll help us and over the next several weeks and months and years that the hand of God would be with us and the hand of God would touch us. Lord, we do pray as Jabez that you would bless us indeed and that you would enlarge our coast. And Father, that the hand of the Lord would be with us. And Father, keep us from evil that we lose nothing that you want to do for us. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ we ask these things. Amen. Sharing the vision. When I talk about sharing the vision, what I'm really talking about is helping you to understand what I believe that God is wanting to do and what I believe that God, where God wants us to go. Over the past several weeks, we've made mention of this and we've dropped a hint here and said a word here about this and about that and different things. What I want to do over the next several Sunday nights is to help you to understand exactly what we're talking about. Maybe some of it has scared you just a little bit. Maybe some of it has confused you just a little bit. But I trust for the majority of you that it has excited you, the things that I have said. But when I talk about sharing the vision, I want you to be able to understand and to really see where I believe that God wants us to go as a body of believers. And I want you to come to an understanding of where I believe that what God wants to do in our life and what God wants us to be as a church. For that reason, I want to help you to understand. I want to share my vision. I want to explain my vision. And I want to bring you to an understanding so you can fully understand where we're going to go. Now, I believe this with all of my heart. I've been here, I will be here soon, be 15 years, 15 years coming up in August, the second Sunday of August. And 1986 was my first Sunday in this church. I've been here 15 years. Not many preachers stay that long anymore. But I've stayed here because I really believe this is where God wants me to be. But I say this from the bottom of my heart. I'm as excited today as I have ever been about what God is doing in this place. And I'm as thrilled as I've ever been about where God is taking us and what God wants to do in our life. But I believe this. I believe from the bottom of my heart our best days are ahead. In fact, I believe we're living in our best days here. I've been here a long time. I was here years ago and now as a pastor. And I believe we're living in our best days as of this particular day. And many of you have been around here for years. You may agree with me on that, but I really do. I believe we're living in our best days as of yet. But I do believe this. I believe that our best days are yet to come. You believe that? Say amen. I really do. And I'm not just beating my gums tonight. And I'm not just trying to whip my old flesh up and to convince me of something I really don't believe. I believe it in the bottom of my heart. And there's reasons why I believe our best days are ahead. I think about all that God has put into my heart. And I believe this, that before God ever begins to do something, He puts it in the heart of the man that He puts in a place. I thank God that I'm pastor here. I thank God I'm a pastor. I thank God that He's let me pastor here. And I thank God through the years that you have allowed me to be the preacher. You haven't tied my hands. You haven't tried to tell me what to do. I had not been a puppet on anybody's strings. But you've let me mind God 
You've let me follow, God. And I believe that's one of the reasons God has blessed us. Because God always puts a man in a place to lead that congregation. We often talk about churches and we talk about them as being a democracy. And that is that they are governed by majority rule. The only problem with that is you don't find that taught in the Bible. Now that may be the way the Baptists look at it. And that may be the way the church of God look at it. And that may be the way the others look at it. But really, you do not find in the Bible that the church was ever intended to be a democracy where it is run by majority rule. You'll find in the Bible that the majority was not always right. You remember over there in the 12 spies who went out to spy out the land? They came back in two groups. Two of them had one vote, two voted one way, and ten voted the other way. And you know the majority won the vote, but the majority was wrong. They disobeyed God, and for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. In fact, they never got to see the land of Canaan. So the majority is not always right. So the will of God is never determined by a majority. And God does, God's work does not depend upon what the majority thinks or what the minority thinks. You see, it's not a matter of a democracy. The church of Jesus Christ is intended to be a theocracy. And that's where Christ is the head of that church. And God is the one that dictates where you go and what you do. And the way God does that, and I'm not just talking, saying this for my, my sake. I just happen to be the preacher here, so I reckon I'm the one responsible for telling you how it's supposed to be. Is that not right? So that's what I'm going to try to tell you. God puts a man to lead a church. He tells that man what his will is. And he tells that man what he wants to do. And that man communicates it to the people. And if they follow, if he has been a good leader and given good leadership, spiritual leadership, wise leadership, then they will follow him believing and convinced that that man does know what God wants and he will lead the people right. Well, that's the way God intended to be. And when I, I find that whenever God is about to do something, He always puts it in the heart of His man. Nehemiah is a good example. The walls had, lying in, had lain in ruins for years, and the gates had been torn down, and the temple was destro destroyed. But you know how the work began? God, first of all, put it in the heart of Nehemiah. And when He put it in the heart of Nehemiah, then Nehemiah began to follow God and take the steps, and in time they were able to rebuild the city. But I believe that God, our best days are ahead because of what God has put into my heart. And I wish tonight there were ways I could communicate in words what is in my heart. There are days that I'm running around and thinking about this and thinking about that. My heart just, it's almost like it's so full it's about to explode. So many things. It's just like God is saying this and God is saying that. And all the years I've been trying to serve God. And all the years I've been pastoring and trying to mind God, I have never experienced a time in my life when what God is saying has been so clear and when God's leading and guidance has been so definite. God has put it into my heart. That's why I believe our best days are ahead. And I believe our best days are ahead because God has created the excitement. I mean, folks, you'll never go anywhere for God. A church will never go anywhere for God or do anything for God until, first of all, they get excited about doing something for God and get excited about going somewhere for the Lord and with the Lord. And God has put that excitement in this place. Now, not everybody's excited. I look around and see a few of you scared to death. Some of you were terrified this morning. Can I get an amen right there? And you're still a little bit hesitant and sitting back with your little judgmental attitude and milking your holy-than-thou chin and looking down your sanctimonious nose. You're still trying to figure it all out. But I want you to know, I believe, I don't think I'm wrong, but I believe God's put something in your heart. 
And not only has it put something in my heart, but God's kind of put a fire in your heart. And you're excited about what God is doing. And I don't believe that's an accident. I don't believe that just happened. I believe it's all of God's doing. And the best days are ahead because God has created it and put the excitement in our heart. And God has given us good leadership. And leadership is critical to where we go. A good leader starts right here. And I'm not saying I'm a good leader, but I want to try to do what God is right. But the men that God has given to us and the leaders we have. You look at our deacons. And I've said this before. I don't want anybody ever gripe about our deacon board because these men love God and they try to follow God. And when they go to meetings, they're not griping and fussing about this. They want to know what God wants to do. They got a spirit about them. They got a spirit of revival about them and where they want to go. God's given us the leadership that we need to do the work of God. And you ought to say amen. You ought to thank your deacons once in a while. Can I get an amen right there? But God's given us good leadership. And people are working. Never in all these years have I seen more people in war, involved in working. And faith is a big part of that. But I'm, I'm talking about all the elements. Everything coming together as it has at this particular time. All of these things convince me, folk that our best days are ahead. If you think it's good now, then just buckle in and get ready. I believe we're about to see greater things down the road. Can I get an amen there? God wants to do it, and God is going to do it. Now, over the weeks to come, I'm going to be sharing with you some things, and I'm going to be asking you to approve certain goals that we have. I'm going to help you to understand what's in our heart. And there'll be points where I'll say to you that this is where I believe God wants us to go. Now, I want you to give approval for it. Not so much a vote on it, but I want you to know you're there. And I'm going to ask you to approve certain things. Legally, we must have that approval and different things for the different things that we'll be doing. But there'll be points down the road that I'm going to ask you to approve certain matters. And I'm going to ask you to make certain decisions. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to make certain decisions about where we're going to go. I'm going to help you to understand where we're going and why we're going there and why we need to do what we're going to do. And I'm going to ask you to make a decision to go there. And I believe it will be a critical time in our church to whether or not we stay right here and be satisfied with what we got or whether or not we're going to go to another level and see all the things that God wants to do for us as a believer. But before we do any of that, before we ever get there, I'm going to do my dead level best to help you to understand and help you understand what is in my heart and help you to understand what I believe God is wanting to do for Temple Baptist Church. And I, there's many things. I, I think about this church, and I'm going to get into the message in just a moment, but there's something about this place you ought to thank God for. Amen? I mean, there's something about this place you ought to rejoice in. I mean, you get around and visit. I have the opportunity of going from place to place. I get in good churches. I get in bad churches. I get in big churches. I get in little churches. I get in dead churches. I get in live churches. I get in formal churches. I get in informal churches. But there's no place I go that I'd rather be than right here. There's something special about this place. Over the years, or the past several months, and just this past week alone, I have visited a number of churches and looking at things and talking to members and talking to leaders and talking to preachers and asking them this and asking them about that and saying, what did you do here? What if you had it to do all over again? What would you do different? Just question after question after question after question. But I found in these churches I've been in and churches that God really has got his hand upon and really is doing something unique in and you doing something unique through, I found that they don't have anything more than we've got. 
When it comes to music, they don't have any more than we've got. When it comes to individual talent, they don't have any more than we've got. They don't have any more as far as the spirit and whatever there. It's just that somewhere they realized what they had and realized that God wanted to do more and somewhere they took a, made a stand and made a decision that we are going to go with God and we're going to do something very unique. And they did what was necessary to get there. And I'm saying to you tonight, what I'm saying is this, there is potential in this place, tons of potential in this place. And so we want to find out what God wants to do. He didn't put everybody here. He didn't bring all this talent under one roof just to sit here and do nothing. He didn't bring the spirit in this place that we have just for us to sit here and do nothing. He's brought it all together. And he's put all this together because there's something great that he wants to do with us. And there's something unique that he wants to do with us. And there's great and mighty things that he wants to do for us. I believe that. Do you believe that? Something God wants us to do. But I want us to look at the matter and talk about all these things. But first, before we ever, before I ever begin to even give you the details of what we're going to do, I want you to understand a few things that I believe are essential and where we go and what we do. And one of them, and the most important thing, and it's not by accident, I'm, I'm talking about prayer first. I believe that if we're going to do anything for God and we're going to go anywhere from God, then prayer is absolutely essential in my life and prayer is absolutely essential in your life and prayer is absolutely essential in this church. Amen? We're talking about what God wants to do, where we're going to go, how we're going to do it, Prayer is the key. So I want to talk to you now about being a praying church. I want to talk to you about praying the power down. I'm talking about where we're going to go and what we're going to do and the steps we're going to take and the ministries we're going to get involved in and the things we're going to do to do those ministries. I'm going to tell you, we're going to have to pray and we're going to have to be a praying people and we're going to have to be a praying church if we're ever going to see these things done. Why? Because prayer puts us in contact with God. If we don't pray, we'll even God out of it. We can talk about God all we want to. And we can talk about the will of God all we want to. And we can talk about all that God wants to do for us. But if we don't pray, then we're leaving God out of it. We're just a bunch of religious fanatics over here talking about God, but don't have anything to do with God. Prayer brings us in contact with God. So anywhere we go, we're going to have to pray. You believe that? Let me say three things about prayer tonight. One, I want to talk to you just a minute about the priority of prayer in our church. When I talk about the pr prayer, I'm talking about that which is a priority. We're not going to be able to do our ministries, do greater things, reach more people, go further than we've ever gone before if we do not become a praying congregation. Prayer is a priority. Prayer is not a supplemental part of our life. It must be a fundamental part of our life. We must be a praying people. Look at Luke 18, 1. We read it a moment ago. Jesus gave a parable. And in that parable, he made this statement. He spake the parable unto, unto them to this end. He said, this is the purpose of the parable. And the purpose of the parable was to teach us that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You underscore the word ought there. It is a word which is absolutely necessary. In other words, Jesus is commanding us to pray. 
And he is commanding us to pray because it is absolutely necessary that we pray. And he went on to give a parable. He gave a parable of a woman that prayed. She had a need in her life. And the way she got that need met was she kept coming to God and she, or she kept going to the judge and kept going to the judge and kept going to the judge. And Jesus teaches about the prayer and the importunity of prayer, of praying in an importune way, coming to God and praying continually. And he was teaching us, one, that prayer is a priority. Look in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. You want to look at it on the screen? It's on the screen, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. He said, I exhort therefore that first of all, makes it very clear that this is a priority, that first of all, he's talking to Timothy, telling Timothy about how a church is to be run, how a church is to be governed and whatever there. And he says, Timothy, first of all, he says in 1 Timothy 2, 1, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. In other words, Paul was telling Timothy that first of all, that which is a priority in a church is prayer. So there's the priority of prayer in our church. Second of all, there is the place of prayer in our church. And when I talk about the place of prayer, I'm talking about the place that prayer is to have in our church. The place that prayer is to have in my life. And the place prayer is to have in your life and in our life as a church. I believe there's two reasons that prayer, how important it is to our church and the place that we want it to have in our church. One is this, and that's seeking God's wisdom. Seeking God's wisdom. Can I say this to you tonight? Temple Baptist Church does not belong to me. And Temple Baptist Church does not belong to our deacon body. And I don't want to hurt you or offend you or burst your little bubble, but it don't belong to you either. You say, I've been here all, I've been here 20 years. It don't belong to you. I don't care how long you've been here. This church does not belong to you. It does not belong to our deacons. It does not belong to me. This church belongs to God. It's His. He's in charge of it. It is His. And He tells us what to do, and we do what He tells us to do. We're not doing our own thing. We're doing His thing. We're not doing what we want to do. We're doing what He wants to do. It's His church. And because it is His church, not ours, if it ever gets to where it's ours, we're in a mess. Can I say amen right there? When it gets to the point that all we care about is what we want, we are in trouble. In fact, we might as well sell the building to the Masons. They'll do a better job. But listen, when it's a matter of us doing what He wants, not our will, but His will. And for that reason, prayer is essential to us as a church. How are we going to know what He wants if we don't talk to Him about it? How are we going to know the will of God for us if we don't pray? How are we going to know what God's plan is for us if we don't pray? How are we going to know what God wants to do for us and wants to do with us and what's, what He wants to do through us and by us if we don't pray? We've got to pray to know His mind. James said in James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Prayer is the place that prayer is to have in our churches. We pray because we need to know what he wants us to do. I need to pray that way. Our deacons need to pray that way. You as a member need to pray that way. Lord, what is it you want? And prayer must become a part of our life if we are to know what he wants. Look at the second thing, I believe, the place it's have in our life as a church. Not only that we might seek God's wisdom. There's a matter of seeing God's work. And we talk about what we want to see God do. 
Don't you want to see God do something unique at Temple Baptist Church? Now, don't forget this. We don't deserve it. God help us. We not, not a one of us deserve anything God's done. And not a one of us deserves anything God is going to do. No, no, no. We must never, never, never ever get to thinking that God, that we're special and God's going to do this because we're special. No, no. Don't ever forget. The very best of us in this room tonight is a hell-deserving sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. Anything God does for us, it's an act of His grace. We don't deserve anything that He does, but I want to see Him do it. I want to see Him do something unusual. I want to come to church that every service is electrified with the presence of God. I want to come to church where every service we see the power of God at work. Hearts being touched. Men being gripped with conviction. Young people getting right with God. Mom and dad's being stirred. Every service is an acquaintance with a living God and an encounter with a mighty working God. You're not going to see His presence. And we're not going to see His power. If God does not meet with us. See, that's the key thing. You know, when we come to church here, we're conscious of a lot of things and we work on a lot of things. And we take serious a lot of things. I take serious a lot of things. And we will continue to do so. We, we're serious about music. I'm serious about my preaching. And we're serious about this and, and serious about that and serious that this works right and serious that that works right. The money we're spending back there in those preschool departments is because we're serious about children, serious about the future. We're doing what we're doing now. It's doing much more than meeting a need in the present. It's laying the foundation for the future. And we're serious about these things, and we're going we're gonna to take them right and whatever there. But the thing we ought to be concerned about the most is not that we're on note, though we want to be on note. And it's not that I do my dead level best and I'm smooth as cotton when I preach, though I want to try to. That which is, should be our key concern and main concern is that when we come here, God shows up with us. Because if God's not with us, it's all going to be in vain. If God's not with me, all I'm going to do is entertain. If God's not on the choir, all they're going to do is entertain. If God's not on the groups and the specials, all they're going to do is entertain. If God's not on the service, all we're going to have is a religious gathering. What makes the church of Jesus Christ different is that it's a house of God where God shows up and God meets with His people. And that which is most important when we gather here on Sunday is whether or not God's with us. And God gets around here, you mark it down, it won't be no funeral home. Can I get an amen right there? God, we need His power, and we need His presence. And we need God, we need to pray, and we need God to work, because we're going to need God's provision. How are we going to do the things we're going to do in the future? I don't have any idea. And But yeah, if that's what He wants, then well, how the needs are met through what God wants. God, where He guides, He provides. You believe that? Do you believe that? I know you're hanging on your pocketbooks when you say amen there. But God, he's going to provide for us. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I do know this. God, if it's what he wants, he tells us to do it, that's what we're going to do. And if God, that's what his will is, he will take care of us. I go back through these 15 years. And all the things we have done, we never knew how we could do them. When, in fact, when we did them, there was no way humanly possible that it looked like we could do them. I mean, when we built this building over here, $300,000. I mean, we looked at our budget. We thought to ourselves, there's no way that we can build that building. There's no way that we can pay for $3,500 a month. We financed it for 10 years, paid it off early. 
but we financed it for 10 years. It cost $3,500 a month. At that time, we didn't know how in the world. At that time, it was almost one whole week of offerings. We didn't bring in much more than $4,000 a week, but we really believed that we needed it and really believed the timing was right. It's what God wants to do, so we did it. And we never missed a payment. And we never relate. In fact, we paid the thing off early. Can I say amen right there? And our first staff member, we started adding staff members. We know how we could do it. There was no way humanly possible looking at our budget and what was coming in every week that we could do it. But we believed that it was God's will. First person we ever put on here was Chuck Patrick and the youth. And we really didn't take good care of him because our faith was so weak at the time. But we went ahead and took a step of faith and put him on. And the first one we put on, we didn't know how he was going to do it. But since then, we just kept going and adding and adding and adding and adding. And we take good care of our staff members here. I believe you get a good staff member, you ought to take good care of them. Amen? And we're going to spoil them where they don't want to go anywhere else. And if they do go anywhere else, we'll run their name and reputation before they leave so they won't be worth a hill of beans when they go somewhere else. Say amen. We'll get a tail started on them if any of them thinks about leaving. But uh, we, we, we did all that. We didn't know how he was going to do it. But God said, now's the time to do it. And we did it. Where God guides, God provides. But we'll have to pray. We'll need God to meet our needs. We'll need God to touch us. We'll need God's glory to be with us. Prayer is essential. And as a church, it must become a priority to all that we do. If we want to see God work, then we'll have to do it. Acts 4, verse 31, the Bible said, When they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. When they prayed, things started happening. When they began to pray, God moved in. When they prayed, God set the place on fire. Prayer. And your third and the final thing. Are you still with me now? There's a priority of prayer in our church. It is the first thing. It's the most important thing that we do. It is the first thing that we ought to be concerned about. That is prayer. And its place in our life, in our church life, is that we need to pray because we've got to know what God wants to do and we've got to have God to do it. But the third thing, and that's the people of prayer in our church. Now here's what I want to ask you to do. I hadn't told you anything about where we're going to go, but I'm telling you, there's no use to even start talking about where we want to go if we don't learn to pray. If we don't learn to pray as a church, and we've been praying, we've come a long way. But if we don't make prayer a priority in our church, and prayer does not become an essential part of our weekly activities and all the things that we do, I might as well just shut my Bible and forget all about those things down the road because they will not happen. We've got to pray. Therefore, I'm asking you and I'm challenging you to become a praying person. I'm asking you to do two things. One, I want you to develop a daily prayer time. Many of you do. But I want you to make prayer a priority in your life. And prayer for your church as a priority. That every day, there'll not be a day in your life that goes by that you don't somewhere get along with God and ask God to do something in our church. To ask God to give our preacher wisdom. To ask God to give our leaders wisdom. To ask God to touch our church. To ask God to bless our staff. To ask God to put his hand upon us. And ask God to do things in our life. Not a day goes by that you don't somewhere get along with God and spend time with God praying for your church. We've got to do it. You love your church? Do you really love Temple Baptist Church? Then the best thing you can do for it is pray for it. Every day of your life, pray for your church. Pray for your church. Get on your knees and ask God to bless your church and say, God, I thank you for what you're doing. 
Lord, I thank you and go to church. And it's not dead. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. God, I thank you. I got a church to go to where things are alive. God, I thank you that I got a church to go to that somebody's not always fussing and fighting over some matter. I thank you, Lord, I got a church when I go. I'm not worried about if this is going to break out or that's going to break out. I can go and worship and love Jesus. You ought to thank God for it and love it and pray for it every day. Pray for your church. Develop a daily prayer time. Let me suggest a second thing. Many of you have got in this, and that's to designate a weekly prayer time. And what I mean by that is this. Every day of your life, you ought to pray for your church. But what I'm asking you to do second of all is I want to ask you to get involved in our prayer ministry. That's really what I'm saying to you. we got a prayer ministry called the Upper Room. How many of you are involved in the Upper Room right now? There's some time during the week you're coming over to our prayer room. Got a beautiful prayer room. We've got a beautiful... If you've never been back to the prayer room, you ought to go back and look at it. It's a beautiful room. The prettiest room we've got in this whole facility. We remodeled that thing a year or so ago. We moved back there. We've got one of the most beautiful prayer rooms you'd ever go into. It's a beautiful thing. You ought to go back there tonight and look at it. And when you go back there and look at it and see how beautiful it is, the Holy Ghost is going to get a hold of you and say, you need to be here one hour a week. Can I get an amen right there? We've got a beautiful prayer room. We've got folks here that come over here at certain hours during every week. Certain, there's, there's a certain time every week. Maybe on a Monday, maybe on a Tuesday, maybe on a Wednesday, maybe on a Thursday, maybe on a Friday, maybe on Saturday, maybe on Sunday. But that's their time. And they're going to go to their prayer room on that time and they're going to spend an hour in there. Some of them on Sundays are in there for 30 minutes. And some of them are in there during the week for an hour. But it's our prayer room. I'm going to tell you something. There's the key to all that's going on. I remember going into John Wesley's prayer room in Wesley's home in London, England. Remember the first time I ever went there. One of the most moving experiences that I'd ever had in my life. Went back later, took Sherry, and I said, Sherry, of all things I want you to see when we go over here, I want you to go with me to Wesley's prayer room. I've taken Terry there. I believe you went there, didn't you, Terry? And every time I'm going over there, I always go back to the Wesley house, always go back to the Wesley chapel, and if possible, always go up to the Wesley prayer room. Little room off his bedroom where John Wesley died. Little bitty room there, just a small room, little desk in there, little window, uh, one little window in that little bitty room, like a closet, a little bit bigger than an average closet, little desk there, a little stool, and a chair. That's all that's in there. A little heater in the corner, a little fireplace built in the corner there. I remember the first time we went there, there was a brass plaque on it. It wasn't there the last time I was there. In fact, I believe they even asked what happened to the plaque. But the first time I ever went there, it had this brass plaque on the door as you go in. And the words on the plaque said, The Powerhouse of Methodism. The Powerhouse of Methodism. And what they meant was that every morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, John Wesley was found on his knees in that little prayer room pleading for God to save England and pleading for God to save America. That's the powerhouse. That's the powerhouse. I mean, the first time I went there, I started to go in and somebody was in the room and I said, excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were in here. And the fellow kind of like, it's almost like it embarrassed him. But he turned and went out, didn't he look at me? Tears were running down his face as he kind of just rushed out and went by me there. It's like I embarrassed him when I caught him in there, but he just went out, tears in his eyes. If I walked in that little room, it's like walking behind the veil. Something in there, the Spirit of God broke my heart. The powerhouse, you know what the powerhouse of Temple Baptist Church is? It's our prayer room. It's our praying people. Someone visited Metropolitan Tabernacle 
and London, England, on the corner of Elephant Castle Street, they got, Spurgeon was taking them through the church, showing them different things. And Spurgeon said, would you like to see our power room? Of course, in those days, the power room was a furnace room, whatever like that. And that's what the visitor thought he was talking about. And he wasn't so much interested in visiting the furnace room. But he thought it was Spurgeon. If he wants me to see the furnace room, I'll go see the furnace room. So he went with him, and they walked into a room, and there were 400 people on their faces praying. And Spurgeon said, here's our power room. I'm saying, I'm asking tonight, many of you have been a part of the upper room, and I haven't emphasized it as much as I should have, but I want to emphasize it to you tonight. I want to say, first of all, to all of you that have been faithful in the prayer room, thank you, because our blessings and some of the blessings we're enjoying is because you prayed. And you maybe went in there and didn't seem like that nothing was happening and it didn't seem like God was hearing and whatever and maybe there were days you got blessed to death when you went in there maybe days you didn't feel anything maybe you wondered sometimes what good is all this doing but I assure you there's a lot of good that it's doing because God answers prayer and I want to thank you for being faithful to it and I want to encourage you to refire yourself or to be refired about being a part of the prayer ministry and I want to encourage many others here to join us to find out what times are open and then sign up and say, this will be my time every week that I'm going to be in the prayer room, that I'm going to be praying for things, and I'm going to be praying that God will touch our church. Listen to me. I said a moment ago, our greatest days are ahead. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Our greatest days are ahead. I say it again, I'm not beating my gums. I believe this, our greatest days are ahead. Let's pray the power down. Let's pray the power down. Let's pray. Let's be a people that prays every day of your life. Pray for your church. Pray for your staff. Pray for your preacher. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the workers. Pray for the ministers. Pray the power down. We'll go no further than where we go on our knees. Let's stand our feet, please.